Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds, of course, is brought to you by the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com, always use your head. And we have a banger show for you today. The core is here, ladies and gentlemen, fellow nerds. The core is here. That's right. We've got my standard partner in crime, the lawyer himself, David Ungar. How you doing, Dave? Pretty good, Nobody cares. We have cares. That's true. We have Mr. Saturday Night, PC Tunney. How you doing, Mr. Tunney? Good afternoon. Again, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And That's we also have a returning. You steal my bits all the time. Everybody steals everybody's bits. This is like it's I'm, fucking pro wrestling. Like I'm that's Steve what we're Allen. doing right here. I'm Steve Allen. Whatever. Uh, we also have back after a couple of weeks hiatus, back done hiding from that '70s project, the Reverend Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 47th. Welcome back. Ray, oh no, no, he's bad. He's bad. Guys, and I, nobody cares. Welcome back to the show. I got to share. We are recording this on a Sunday. This will be dropping on a Monday, and I am thoroughly distracted. My mind is elsewhere today. I already talked about this with Dave during hockey slash sports talk. When we recorded that today, it's Selection Sunday as we record this for the NCAA basketball tournament. The last couple of weeks is my second is like my second favorite period in all of sports because I love conference tournament season with the NCAA basketball uh, tournament system. Selection Sunday into the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I'm so excited. I'm doing a selection show special with pc tunny that you all are going to get to hear down the road as well as we're going to react to the brackets we're going to make probably make way you know way ridiculous projections and picks somebody is going to make an upset that's wrong somebody's going to make an upset that's right and one of us so somebody will look like a genius one will look like a donkey it doesn't matter it's all star wars 
I love the NCAA basketball tournament season almost as much. And I know Tony thinks baseball is boring, but I love opening day. It's probably my favorite sports day of the year. So NCAA tournament number two, opening day number one, spring training baseball is happening. Everything is right in the world. The World Baseball Classic is going on and nobody cares. It's all sorts of fun. All I know is that I'm, I'm like, to quote the Joker, I'm, I'm like I'm like the dog that chases the car. I don't know what to do with it when I got it. Like, I don't know. I'm very excited. But that is not to say that we don't have a good show today. We've got some, actually some significant news around the nerdosphere this time, this week. Last week was such a dead week of 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 nerdosphere topics that this week I, I was very excited uh another loaded trailer park and of course the mandalorian so guys i've done all the talking i'm done i'm done telling you that nobody cares uh what are we looking forward to this week as we move forward in in the nerdosphere or or even you know sports since this is sports entertainment and sports entertainment like since we do all of those things how are we feeling about this week? Because I am excited. I'll start with uh, Ray, the returning Ray, because he just took a big swig of what appears to be an orange soda and um, and, and hasn't spoken in a while. Like Fruit three punch. weeks. Fruit oh, it's an audience. He's talking now. He's talking. Let him, let him talk. Audience, let him talk. That, that's brisk, baby. Ooh. Yeah. Fruit punch, baby. Um. Well, first and foremost, I'm super excited. Um, my Zona Wildcats won the Pac-12 Pac tournament they last did. night. So we have a chance of maybe sl sliding in as a one no, or being don't. the highest ranked. Stop two. that. Ah, Stop yeah, it. You're going to be a two-seed. was fourth. No, they were. Purdue was. Purdue, Purdue, oh. It was Purdue's one seed to lose. They're going to win the Big Ten, and then they're going to be the first one seed to get knocked out of the tournament. That's oh, what's going to happen. I'm a week behind because, as I checked last week, UCLA was fourth. But okay, wow. but we'll definitely fourth be in the nation. They were fourth in the yeah. nation. Fourth in the nation, but Purdue's Purdue's been living with a one seed, which is weird. Purdue got punished for nothing more than like losing twice. Like it's so, it's that it's is, so right? arbitrary and stupid. But, but I'm anyway, hyped, I'm hype about that and our our prospects for the tournament this year. We I, I'm really proud of my team this year. Um. And um, looking forward to catching up on stuff, you know, um, season finale of uh, The Last of Us drops as we record tonight. Um, yeah, man, some really good movies coming out. Good shows coming back. Um, for those of you who like hood shit, uh, Power Ghost is back this week. And um, Ted Lasso is back this week. Lot of shit, bro. Yep. There is a lot of good stuff going on. Tony, how's your what are you looking forward to this week? What do you got going on? Um looking forward to waking up tomorrow morning. I'm a little hungover today. boy. Way to set the bar high, man. Seven hours of at the bar yesterday. Thanks, DP. You asshole. It's all DP's fault. <laughs> Dave? Well I mean Tony Tony Yeah, I, Tony checked out real quick there. Uh Shazam comes out Friday. So I think that's that's nobody something cares. Nobody, nobody cares nobody about cares. that movie. Okay. Ray cares <laughs> I, I, I think little, Tony, Tony like cares. a smidge, maybe a smidge. So I take it we um, are not nobody's going to see that except us. So Which I, I, I didn't buy my advance ticket yet. I'd care a lot more if Zachary Levi wasn't 
idiot. A but. douchebag. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the movie's gonna bomb because of the, exactly that. I think Zachary Levi really came out and fucked them over before it even had a chance to get off the ground. But I do want to watch it. Oh, or or hear me out. Um, nobody cares about Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Zachary Le- Levy, notwithstanding, like nobody cares about this movie. Uh, we highly they, disagree on that, but okay. I think people cared more. Who cares about this movie? Honestly, who cares about this movie? I care. Other, and I love the movie. Like I loved the original movie. Like I have gone on this show and said, "But where's the buzz? Where has the buzz been since this thing was being there is, filmed?" There is none because of everything going on with DC and Warner Brothers and James Gunn. And like, nobody knows what the fuck is going on or what am I supposed? That's why I'm interested in it. I want to see. Okay, are they going to do even, anything with but this? Even when this thing broke down. Look at this impromptu argument already off to a guy. Even when this broke down, I, I think to, to sit there and say that there was like excitement over Shazam Fury of the Gods is an exaggeration, a stretch at best. No, people I'm were going to go see it. Uh, maybe I don't know. Exaggeration. Nobody was talking about this. No, it's hard to disagree. People were talking about it because there was the Wonder Woman um, people who? cameo. People who? People clearly that wasn't you wasn't paying attention to because a lot of other people, man. Dude, I am as connected as anybody with the. You want me to give you, you names? You want me to give you websites? Are, like, are you gonna are you, are you gonna give gonna... me your unsourced websites that you always give us in the chat that don't tell us anything accurately? No, but I mean, I got just as many sources as you do clearly because you're we're just going off of conjecture. I'm right? just saying I, I don't think the but I, I really I disagree wholeheartedly I really that there was there any was... level of buzz. No. Outside of moderate injury, I think there was more momentum behind it before everything, before DC went through this big change, and before Le- Zachary said this dumb shit that he did, and that really, so, that really so, undercut so Dave, it. You started this, by the way. Well, this I'm, is really I, all your fault. I mean, I'm I want to see it because I want to see if there's anything in there that gives any sort of inkling as to where they're going, and and I think I want to see if. Well, they, they've said they they've they, said kind of maybe sort of. But they've also said there's not another like there's been no commitment to Shazam after this. No, and I don't think right. there's going to be. He's going to get you right. know the Cara Dune treatment after this thing probably. So Cara Dune goes back to her home planet. She joins the Space Rangers. Say, that's that's that that yeah. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, I and also what WWE 2K23 comes out on Friday, which I'm not going to get because I'm so still knee deep in 22. Thanks to Tunney. You're still waiting. You're still it. waiting on the release of the AEW game. Is that what? No, is that what no, you're doing? that ain't that ain't happening, man. You guys heard about that, right? GCW basically right. has fought them on the fight for everything. So this fucking game will never see the light of day, and that's all right because it's an arcade. I don't give a shit about it, but that's kind of like that. And I got to get a hotel for WrestleMania, Tony. So um, I got to take care of that. All right, you got you guys got a lot going on. You know what? Good to see that we're all excited about things. Except for Tony. Tony's just sitting with his cats. Tony's excited like to be night. breathing today, apparently. Tony's a 70-year-old spinster, spinster happy for sunrise, so we got that going for him. It's getting, you know, he's got a blanket behind his chair. I bet he's got one, like, over his lap. You know, like, he's like he, we can't see it, but he's got, like, one his sitting cat, on his, his lap. Cat he's sitting sort, in his lap. He's rocking. Yeah. Right, right. What What is Mr. Nibbles doing down there, Tony? What is it? God damn it! Put some, put right. some pants okay, okay, on, okay. Tony. Put some pants on. Yeah, Jesus. this is this all right. Okay, okay. So this is I, I I've derailed this early. This is my fault. I've already gotten into a fight with Ray. That's all. That's always a good show. This is good podcasting right off the bat. Let's get to it though, because we actually have enough news that we can follow our regular format of a show. And Mandalorian is plugging along 
episode 18 dropped this past Wednesday called The Minds of Mandalore. Dave, cue that post-production music. So, can I, can I, I'm going to start this conversation with just a question. I've been making this joke a lot um, in recent weeks in various situations about this, this idea of time as a flat circle. And I'm going to open this conversation with this question. How fucking fast is Mando's ship and how far away was he from Bo-Katan's castle that Grogu is able to hop into a ship when Mando's in trouble, get to Bo-Katan, and get back. Just, and I know for the sake of narrative, it had to work. <laughs> but get back while apparently Mando's fluids are being drained from his body. That was the fastest resolution. And, and, and like in my brain, like did, did they portal jump like Guardians of the Galaxy? Like did, did Grogu use the Force? What happened here? Like, what happened I think there's the explanation is that the moon that Bo-Katan is on is in the same system as Mandalore. Because he kind of tells her... But, like, how fast? It's still... It's fast. I mean, but Din's, like, telling Grogu as they come into Mandalore, that's the moon I grew up on, and there's Bo-Katan's moon, and we just... So they're in the same system. I agree with you. It's a fast, fast ship. I don't think they had to, like, portal jump, wormhole jump, but, yeah, it's still... Very fast it's to like, get out of there, get her, get in her ship, no less, and then right, get like they're, they're in this like system of caves, yeah. and he gets into his little his little thing, and he gets out, and he hops in the in the ship, and then he's there, and she's like, "What yeah. happened?" Yeah, and she like just come with me, and and also Bo Katan, who was like very much like, "I'm not helping you, fuck you, I'm not helping you, I'm not okay, I'm gonna go help you," like what? <laughs> Again, I get it. It moves story forward, but it just kind of cracked me up, like how quickly that was resolved. There's some, there's some plot holes in this one, to be sure. But I don't know if I call them holes. Just I have questions. I have questions. But other than that, you know, we we were left with a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of the episode. This episode was all about the exploration of the minds of Mandalore and the realization that Mandalore could be inhabitable, uh, that that it is not toxic. We saw, well, we kind of saw underground cave tree creatures. I, I do think that uh, there is a there is a real problem with filmmaking and technology when it comes to light and dark, and just how hard it was to see some of the action in in the episode itself, just like visually, like not even like like you get it, you're in caves and it's dark, but you could see. Very, very little. And this has been a problem that's plagued a lot of shows, whether it be streaming or film, where the technology and the camera work that they're doing 
you see this on movies all the time. You'll go to the theater, something will take place in a in, in the dark in like a cave or whatever, and it's easy to see. But then when you watch it when it plays on your television, because of the way television settings are set up, it's damn near impossible to see. Game of Thrones, like the end of Game of Thrones, like the final season of Game of Thrones, those battles were tough to like discern. But you know, at the end, we're still we're still in Mando's journey, and now he's he's with Bo Katan. Uh, hopefully they're going to get out alive of this scrape. I, I got a funny feeling they're going to, but enjoyable episode. Good 40-some minutes long, too, guys, so nobody to complain about how short it was. Ray, what do you think of uh, of episode 18 of The Mandalorian? I'm glad we finally got the shit done. I'm so sick and tired of him talking about this damn, this damn planet that he never clear, clearly has been on. I'm glad we finally got there. Um, and I'm glad he can, I appreciate it's, 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 it's funny. Cause it's almost like real life. Like forgive the, forgive the analogy here, but it's like gang members who are really in the gang. Don't rip the shit as hard as the people who want to be in the gang. Mando was like the dude that wants to be in the gang that claims the shit harder than the people actually in the gang. And he's like, well, I got to go put myself in the water to get it back. Cause I did one thing one time, like, Let's just be a Mandalorian. Nobody cares. It's like ten of y'all. So I mean, but that's a that's a cult like behavior. Like, and that's the thing yeah. that gets talked about all the time. Is like that he's up. part of this like cult sect of Mandalore. Straight up, just like how he lost his mind when Bo-Katan took the helmet off. He was like, "We don't do that." She was like, "I'm from there. <laughs> I don't know that's what right. you don't do." How, she not only do. was she there, she was royalty. Yeah. Um. You also mentioned Bo-Katan. First and foremost. Bo-Katan, she's she's a, she's a badass. It was cool to see her get her badassery back after Din kind of humbled her a bit in the season finale when he got the Darksaber. Because you saw her when he saw her in episode one and she was just kind of like despondent, ruling over nothing. Um, and I think personally, one thing Mando has been great at has is has been, I'm going to like you Man, I rock with you, but I respect you. So if you need me, I got you. And I don't know if Bo-Katan likes him, but she respects him, which is why I think she was so willing to hop up after she said she wouldn't. Um, and for for a being that doesn't speak, Grogu really got a lot of emote. He's really emoting a lot more recently. Um, it's cool to see that. Yeah, we know he's force sensitive. We know he's of the beatings of the beings of the Yodas and whatnot. But we know he gave that life up for his daddy. But he's still showing force sensitivity and doing Jedi shit. And I appreciate that because like you can't kind of let that go to the wayside. Oh no, it was good. It was I mean, I enjoyed it. It was the longest episode they've had so far in the series, which was you could feel it. Not that I got tired of it, but you were like, damn, it's still on. Um, well, and ne- oh. and next week it's going to be even longer. Next week we go um, oh, over fifty minutes. I do believe. I'm with it. I'm with it. I like it. Look, once a week, why not? Right, rock out. Um, well, and, I, and everybody got so upset over uh, over um, uh, the f- premiere being like twenty five minutes long. It's like yeah. they just didn't let it play out. They just didn't let it play out. Well, as you know, you know how we are as fans. My my thing. I'm interested now. The thing that's kind of we kind of hit milestones with this show, right? We had to do this, and we had to do that, and we had to do this. Next thing I'm interested in seeing is when Mando and Bo-Katan and 
Sasha and the other and the Hispanic dude, when they all meet up with the 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 maker who told him she he wasn't a Mandalorian anymore, because they all gonna have to meet eventually because he got to go back to her. Be like, look, bitch, I bathed in the waters. What's up? And so yeah, you're talking about the armor. The armor. I, yeah, I couldn't remember her name. So they got to meet back. And I'm sure when he goes to see her, Bo-Katan going to be with him. That's going to be an interesting conversation. So that's what I'm looking forward to next. Tony, it's all Star Wars. What what of the Star Wars did you enjoy the most out of this week's episode? I think, like Ray said, we're getting a little more personality from Grogu. who's kind of coming into his own, um, taking on the the one, whatever you called them, the, uh, the Sim- goonish. Similites or something like that. Yeah. Right. They look like little Bruce Banners with uh, ridges on their backs. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it just, uh, it's been a little bit of a slow start. I mean, I guess we did get something accomplished right away, but that was kind of a little bit of a slower episode at the beginning. I know the, the fight at the end, Bo-Katan really saved his ass, I'll tell you that. And, you know, you're talking about kicking ass, Ray. I'm like, man, how about dad ass? Dave? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yes. Wow. Tutty, Tutty resurrecting some old attitude of aggression shit there. Um, she put her on the team, right, Tunny? Is that what you're saying? Cha-ching. Okay. Uh, I think the big things about this episode uh, that stand out, you guys talk about Grogu and he is evolving and he's showing more force sensitivity, but it's very important to note he is still a child. And that really comes through in this episode where Bo-Katan talking to him. It's like, I know you're frightened. Yes, he's a he's force sensitive. He's on the path to being a Jedi. He's still a kid. And so that came through really effectively. His 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 fear as to what was going on around him, dark places, bad creatures, that sort of thing. So I loved how they did that. Um, Bo-Katan easily needs to be wielding that dark saber. Mando doesn't need to hold it anymore because she's badass with it and he's not. And that was clearly evident from this episode. Well, now, you want to say something? And this goes, I do. Because um, you kind of hit on one of the sort of subtleties that was pointed out. Because if you recall in the book of Mandalorian, uh, it's explained why. <laughs> we need, we need Mando to trademark. Can't... We need to trademark that. <laughs> well, so in the book of Mandalorian, you learn that he can't wield the Darksaber because basically he's not working with it and it is not choosing him and Bo-Katan clearly it's a symbiotic relationship when the two of them use it. Like, I think that at the end of this, she gets the dark saber back. Like, I think that's what they're trying to show you right now is that the only reason she doesn't have it is because she wouldn't take it from him when he offered it to her because, you know, for as much as we talk about, what? According to the according to the creed, you can't just take exactly. It. You, you have to beat you, somebody let, in combat. Let me finish my thought real quick. For all the criticism, well, no, and I'm not yelling at you, but for all the criticism that she gives Mando about being a cultist and following rules, she won't take the Stark Saber because it's against the rules, and that's ironic. It shows that they're not that far off from each other as as, as they would like to say. No, they're not, um, and I think. Go ahead, Pat. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. Go ahead, because you're going to keep on this thought before I talk about an Easter egg that I love. Well, I think, you know, Bo-Katan, like you're saying, where she goes from being very much against Mando to jumping into the fray to save him. uh, I think part of that maybe comes from the fact that she didn't she really didn't realize or hadn't 
confirm that Mandalorian is still habitable and maybe I need to go check this out. There's things down there in these caverns that are have got him hostage. I need to check this out. But I think, you know, and I know this is jumping to the end, the fact that the mythosaur is still there, that they're, they're these mythical creatures that are the emblem of the, they're, the fucking skull is the emblem of the Mandalorians, and there's still one there. And what does that mean going forward as far as, like, is that symbolic of the rise of Mandalore happening again? And if it is, then like Ray saying, then all these other Mandalorians got to get involved. Um, I suspect somebody's going to try to ride this thing, and it's probably going to be Din Djarin to try and, you know. Yay! Yeah. Awesome! We should totally do that. That's really cool, you guys. Oh my god, so cool! Riding a giant monster because we had because Boba Fett riding a Rancor wasn't enough. Okay, one Easter egg, and Dave, I, I'm surprised you didn't bring this one up. R five, but the see, like, what original, now? Wasn't he, wasn't he called? Let me ask you this: the Pat. faulty. Let me ask you this: wasn't he called R two D four in in the in the original? Maybe that's what I thought because uh, I remember when I they had the Kenner. No, the, the I I looked at I actually looked it up because I, I even got like it's whatever the the red astromech droid for right. anybody who's seen the original Star Wars that is the malfunctioning astromech droid that then leads to Luke Skywalker getting R two D two and C three PO at the same time in A New Hope and somehow. This droid has wound up, and I love it that its personalities is like thoroughly depressed. Like it's this like sad robot that doesn't want to do it. He's like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm scared. I thought you said and, it was built for adventure. <laughs> Close the cockpit. Well, here's the thing that I think is really interesting, and is is one of my favorite like sort of snarky nerd conversations that exists around Star Wars is 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 droids, like. Droids are fully functional, emotional AI with personalities and attitudes. And yet people are very cavalier about destroying them and not caring about them. And so there are a lot of people who will ask the question is like, like, like R2D2 has a personality. C3PO has a personality. They, they make independent decisions. They, you know, like C3PO less so than R2D2. Like C-3PO will acknowledge things that are against this programming, but they're like still kind of they're they're real characters, and, and they get blown up, and it's like nobody cares. Oh no, and it and maybe it's because they can rebuild them. I don't know. I just find it really interesting, and I thought that the attitude of the red uh, astromech was nice, and it was a beautiful nod to a new hope. Yeah. Well, and the ir- the irony of Mando, who hated droids, going back and wanted to get the uh, and whatever the boy was who was to blew himself up. The IG and the IG, yeah, IG, and then realizing, well, I gotta have a droid to get what I want. So, just yeah, you're right. That little the relationship between the sentient beings, I guess you can say, and droids is really interesting to see uh, who cares and who doesn't, and why they care and when they care. And that this episode touched a lot on that. Yeah, I love how Mando like gets on R five D four. You go out there and take a atmospheric sample, and he says something, and he goes, "That wasn't a question." You know, so just like get out, get right. your ass out there and do your do job. Said, "Stop being a baby and go." Yeah, he even says right. that. Do Stop it. being a baby. Talking He's, to a droid. Stop being and, a baby. And, and even the way he, yeah, and even the way people talk to droids. Even you know, like many many folks are very abusive. Like see Han Solo always speaking to C three PO, but. 
they still talk to them like they're real people. It's it's a fascinating kind of fun little exercise to participate in. It's not a like I don't really care about droids' rights. Like I'm sorry, like if that makes me a bad person, I, I guess it does. But it does. Um, you know, I do. It does feel like we've really picked up the pace though a little bit with Mandalorian here. Uh, after our first episode that sort of laid the groundwork, time jumps notwithstanding. Uh, anything else we want to talk about with this episode before we go into our first commercial break and talk some trailers? Uh, no, I think I think we've touched it. I think the the mythosaurs are going to be a big deal, probably a bigger deal than we may be anticipating. That's my best guess because it's all over. I mean, anywhere you went talking about Star Wars or reading about Star Wars or Mandalorian this week, mythosaur, mythosaur, mythosaur everywhere and deep deep dives into this creature that I was like, well, shit, I didn't even think about it, but that's and I, big thing. I got a stupid question. Um, when it gets into the atmosphere, it's like super dangerous, which is probably why people thought Mandalore was still in an uninhabitable. Right. And he says that the magnetic polarity of the planet had been thrown off by the fusion bombs. And so that's right. What, and basically, and that's what made Grogu having to get Bo-Katan so important because they couldn't just radio out. Hey, help. You know, we're in trouble down here. He had to fly yep. out and get because there is no radio communication. Um, it does make you wonder, you know, what's been going on, you know, on Mandalore. And, and if the Mythosaurus survived, then who else may have survived that's down there that that other than these crazy simulite sleaze stack sort of on steroid creatures that are out there so yeah i it, it did pick up pace i mean obviously this next episode almost an hour they're going to be covering a lot of ground a lot of ground right it's a lot going on and we'll we'll all be here for it yeah i think it's been a solid start to the show to the season so i think we're i think we're in good shape all right we are going to take our first commercial break when we come back we have another loaded trailer park for all of you. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything progressing. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. I am joined with the core crew today and just wrapped up talking a little bit of Mandalorian. So excited to be back on a regular format. Keep the banjos off to the side. Gentlemen, Dave is here to cue that beautiful banjo for us, put it down. No, Ray, don't even lean. Yeah, that's right. Pout. Dave, you know what to do. All right. Okay, so I got I got to say this. 
this week's um this week's trailer park is is very strongly kind of all about me uh, at least at the top no uh, dave, dave dave's already like come on if you're telling me that trailer number c doesn't intrigue you a little bit uh, yes. A letter C. Dave, you provided trailer D. We've talked about the last trailer as a group, but the first two is another one of those exercises where I was going through YouTube and was like, hey, this looks interesting. And we start with a new series coming to Netflix starring Rob Lowe called Unstable. And it is a comedy series, looks like a dramedy series as you move along with a a tech genius sort of billionaire mind almost an elon musk if not very much channeling an elon musk figure and is a relationship with his estranged son as they try to keep a hold of the tech company that rob lowe's character has been bringing forth I mean, I'm sorry. There's there's a scene where like Rob Lowe's assistant walks in on him while he's like meditating slash sunbathing, like completely naked, and he misses a board meeting where they're trying to oust him. I think this show looks fucking hilarious, and think, and I'm going to sign up. I think the quote was, "While you were standing in your office naked, dick and balls out in the breeze." Yes, very much like that. Um, it's interesting because it, Rob Lowe looks like he's. Tr- He's um, he's channeling uh, his Chris Traeger character from Parks and Recreation for part of this, except sort of dialed up to the 11 with eccentric inventor billionaire being in there. Um, And not so much like like Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec was like obsessed with like his own health and well-being like this. But he was also kind of arrogant and insufferable. And this is like really dialing in like he compares himself to God at one point. He calls himself the sun. And it's. I think it looks hilarious. Dave, you're shaking your head. You, you didn't think it looked hilarious? Oh, no, no, no. I was, there was some, no, there was a news headline oh. that I was just shaking my head at. No, I, this one looks good. And I think, it, let me ask you, is Rob Lowe like the new Dick Clark? This guy doesn't age, does he? I mean, he's got to be like damn close to my age, and he it's looks that, fantastic. That, that Atkins diet, Dave. I guess that maybe that's what I need to be doing, going back to low carb all the way, all the time. No, this looks good. This looks fun. Rob Lowe is, is one of my favorite absolute favorites you know i think not just the fact that he doesn't age but everything he does is entertaining he's funny he's charismatic he just you know just i see him i think of the question. guy from wayne's world you know and he'll always be that question guy to me. question for the group um do you believe the rumor that if rob Lowe and angela bassett are cast in the same movie that it ruins the space-time continuum as two ageless humans perform in the same film at the same time. Absolutely. Like, do we all die? Absolutely. Does it break the universe? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's like okay. it's like in Back to the Future where if you come face to face with yourself, the devastation can either be localized or universal. And because because I, I gotta say, I got I can't be the only one who when Angela Bassett had like gray hair in Wakanda Forever, I was like, bullshit, bullshit. That's <laughs> not like that ain't her hair. That's a wig. That's a weave. That's a weave. She got a weave. Ray's laughing because yeah, I'm right. It's true. Right? It's true. But I, I'm I like I like this show. This this trailer looked really good, really funny. So this one, good choice, Patrick. I'm in. I'm all in on this one. Ray, what about you? Show looks good, but there's one thing that really caught my eye, and it's this motherfucker right here. What <laughs> is up with that head? My God, no idea. 
I, I saw that and I was like, I cannot see anything else. I so much I took a screenshot of it. It 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 blew me away. Um no, that, it looks like a, it looks like a very fun show. Um I'm looking forward to it. The I, I kind of like the the integration between shows like this between the dad who has a problem and the son or the daughter try to get them back in line. Um at the end he was like, uh, what you doing with your butt? Oh, my son taught me how to do good butt stuff. And he was like, wait a minute. Um yeah, like stuff like it was pretty funny. I, I liked it, so it looks like a very good, uh, very good show. I can I'll check it out though. I'll check it out. And yes, Roblo wasn't Roblo aren't Roblo and, and Angela Bassett both on nine one one? Oh, I have no idea. I was just making jokes. Damn it! Are we already all dead? Is that Hello? is that it? Are we are we actually in like a pocket dimension? We're in the simulation. We're in we're in the simulation. It was ran by Roblo, ran by Roblo and Angela Bassett. Cool. Uh, so there you go, everyone. Bow to your robot overlords. And on that note, let's move on to a trailer Dave has no interest in checking out because apparently when people burst into song, he just becomes a thief of joy. So I'm glad you here, know me th- so well. Thank you, Pat. Dude, I don't I don't I get so I get no, that musicals right, aren't right, everybody's right. thing. Like I get that musicals aren't everybody's thing. Uh and I have been talking about Apple TV Plus and the shows that are on there that are surprising quality that people either don't know or don't watch. And Schmigadoon is one of those shows. I have had an interest in this show for for quite some time. And so for those of you who don't know, the, the concept between or the concept of this show is that Cecily Strong and um what is it? Uh, Keegan Michael Key are a couple that wander, get lost in the woods, cross this bridge, and wander into this crazy bright town uh, called Schmigadoon. And it turns out that this town is like a, an old timey musical, like musicals from like the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And you've got these two modern era people who are in a relationship. That relationship is struggling when the when the season starts. And they're they're wrapped up in this in this town. And the cast has some really strong folk in it. Kristen Chenoweth, Alan Cumming, Ariana DeBose, um Dove Cameron, uh, shoot, I'm going to forget, Fred Armisen, just Martin Short has a cameo in it, uh, Jane Krakowski is in it, like a lot of really heavy hitters, people who are big in theater, and SNL, and here's why, Saturday Night Live, here's why, do you all know who the producer of Schmigadoon is? Lauren Michaels. It's Lauren Michaels. This show I was like, I remember being interested in it and trailer for the second season dropped and I'm even more interested in it based on that trailer. I was like, okay, I told myself I was going to watch this. So I hopped over to Apple TV plus it is six episodes long. The episodes are 30 minutes. I binge watched it last night before we recorded the show, all six episodes. It's not the best. It's not the perfect show, but, and, and I get it. Part of this for me as a fan of musicals, and old-timey musicals, it's great. I could see what they were channeling uh, from the get-go, but the humor and the brand of humor that is in there is outstanding. 
there is an entire jo- or entire song where Cecily Strong sings to a couple who are pregnant about how babies are made because they live in such a whitewashed world that they don't understand how the baby that the woman is carrying got into her belly. It's hilarious. It's really hilarious stuff. Kristen Chenoweth is is hilarious as is as the the villain. And season two, when they pick up, is going to take a step further into the history of musicals with darker late 70s, 80s, and 90s musicals like Chicago, Sweeney Todd, Hair, um, and just sort of upping upping the age factor of the musicals. I'm looking forward to this. I can't wait for it to drop. So clearly all three of you who are looking in different directions and checking phones are definitely as into this as I am. Um Okay, Ray, Ray's put up the hand, so I'll, I'll let you go first. Tell me your thoughts on the Schmigadoon Season 2 trailer. I'll tell you I'm very excited. I'll tell you this. I had absolutely zero. There's a minus zero, a minus zero interest in the first season. Like, And I love I love uh, Keegan-Michael Key. He's one of my favorite people in this world. And being an SNL nerd, I love Cecily. Did not give a shit. The second season, question to me, because it's... Happy musicals are cool, but like, come on, bro. Like, let's be real. I like the idea that it's taking a turn. It's got a little darker. It's kind of using the guise of the the play Chicago, which I actually right. enjoy. Right? Chicago, as they call Chicago, it. Chicago, yes. And uh, Titus is one of the best people on any show. Titus is fucking fantastic. Um, so I am moderately interested. Thank you. Tony, I know you're not, I know this isn't exactly your jam. I, I also will own that part of the reason why I shared it and took the risk is because of Lauren Michaels and the Saturday Night Live connection, Mr. Saturday Night. Sure. Yeah. Great, great, uh, you know, great job of putting those two together. But this is your 0 for 2 now on the trailer park. I'm, <laughs> I'm really disappointed in your lack of interest in Unstable. I, I expect better of you. Uh, but that's looks, okay. It, it looks horrible. I completely disagree with you, but okay. Um, that's that's why we have this show. Here's the other thing: if they put John, uh, what is it, John Mulaney or whatever, who does the the like musical bits, I really feel like he on SNL. I would really love to see him make a cameo in an episode of Schmigadoon. Um, Ray, I would give season one a chance, uh, especially as you get to the back half, because part of the the fun of this is very much like Pleasantville. If you remember Pleasantville, mm. where everything starts out like really this like conservative way, and these two people kind of fuck it all up. That's yeah. very much what's going on in okay. Schmigadoon season one. So that that, okay. that interests me. That interests me a lot. Staying with Apple TV Plus, uh, as I was scrolling, as I was catching up on on Schmigadoon, because I I was telling myself I needed to watch this. I didn't even know this thing was being made or existed. Until I saw it being advertised on the coming soon for Apple. But apparently there is a documentary series that is following some people uh, who have been training at the Monster Factory. And so for those of you who don't know, who aren't, you are nerds who listen to Bandwagon Nerds because you're nerds and not part of, uh, you know, the pro wrestling scene maybe as much or or know uh, about some of these organizations. The Monster Factory is a very famous training ground for professional wrestlers where people go learn their craft and then work their way 
you know, whether it's into the indies or even in the case of some of the, you know, some people who have come from the Monster Factory, the WWE. It's quite famous uh, in professional wrestling, and they have a show coming up soon, a documentary show, a documentary series following this factory and some of the wrestlers and performers that are training there on Apple TV. I, I put this on there because of the network we're on, and I thought that this was worth talking about on this show. And so whether you want to talk about the Monster Factory itself or this series, uh, thoughts on uh, the Monster Factory reality show that is coming soon to Apple TV. We'll start with Tony this time since we're over two. I mean, it looks good. Um, I feel like it's something we've seen already. It's kind of like a tough enough thing too, but I mean, the monster factory is pretty tough famous. Enough, really? I mean, yeah, you're following a story of these five kids. We're not really getting the story of the monster factory. Right. Well, you're, you're also, I don't know. Tough enough was so gimmicky and stupid. That wasn't really well, like this the, looks a little bit more accurate to like what it's like to be at the Monster Factory in training to be a professional. The difference, the difference I think, is Tough Enough was a reality show. This is right. a true documentary. Very much so. That that would be my thoughts too. Now we have seen something similar. Didn't they do something with the power plant in uh, back in the '90s? I want to say that there was. It may not have been a full-on documentary, but there, I do feel like there was something where they showed people. Uh, at the power plant trying to cut their cut their teeth in WCW. Uh, that's kind of more akin to what I would think it was. But I, I also don't know that it's a story that people, you know, outside of wrestling would find to be as commonplace just because I think it is a little bit different. We'll see how it does. You know what I mean? I I think, and people, a lot of people hate going to hate me saying this, but I think Total Divas opened up the doors so much for non-wrestling fans to have that to have interest in wrestling uh esque things. And so while Total Divas opened the doors but with what these women do when they're not working, I think this could be a thing that much like the uh Vice sto- the Vice shows that they have or the old show on MTV made where they had I want to be a professional yep. wrestler. This gives you an idea of I right, you see the glitz and glamour of WWE and WrestleMania and all this stuff, this is where these dudes start. And I think that's a fun story to tell because the beauty of this is, and when I say I hope, I truly I truly don't mean this disrespectfully, but I think for the purpose of the show, I hope none of these guys make it big. Now, I want them to personally, but it would hurt the show if, like, in a in a year, one of those five people that was on the commercial are, like, in WWE or AEW. Because then you're like, oh, well, see, it always works. Sometimes the better story is it doesn't. And you get to see these people sacrifice and sacrifice, and they're still doing indies in 10, 15 years. And I don't mean this from a personal perspective, because I hope everybody succeeds. You know, you give your life to this and that and the other. But um, I think the show, Apple TV Plus doesn't seem like the right platform for me for this. Um, but they're trying to diversify, so I'm with it. Excuse me. And this is one of the this is one of the few times where, you know, I, I write for Wrestling Inc. And because of that, I was privy to hear about the show about three weeks ago. And so like that, I'm thankful for that because I'm super interested in it. I think it could be really, really fun. I hope they take it seriously. I hope they really give it the proper platform and 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 showing that it deserves. They don't try to sensationalize it, editorialize it. Like let it's it's supposed to be gritty because it is. Um, 
all of us have watched wrestling enough, and I don't know if any of you guys have ever done indie shit or whatever, but I've ran the ropes. I've taken bumps. I've seen how, like, I've watched them build the ring. The shit is not glamorous. It's not supposed to be. I hope they show that part. Dave, what do you think? Monster Factory documentary show, documentary series on Apple TV. I think, you know, collectively the four of us have an immense wealth of uh, wrestling experience from across the board. You know, like Ray talking about actually being in the ring. You know, me, all of us have watched too much pro wrestling in our lives. We've all heard of the Monster Factory. We all have been involved in it or in the periphery in some respect or some form or fashion. So, you know, I, I, like like Tony's talking about tough enough is one thing, but I think, you know, going from the standpoint of a, a pro wrestling school and to kind of like, I, I think like Ray's right, they're going to kind of strip this down a little bit and show the nuts and bolts of uh, of what it takes to become a pro wrestler. And maybe along the way, this this helps to remove some of the stigma that still exists and all this fake bullshit, you know, and kind of gets rid of that to the more mainstream so people realize that, no, there's nothing really fake about it except the outcome. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with it. It looks like a good show. It looks like, um, you know, something else to kind of learn more about the inner workings of this business that continues to evolve and kind of peel back the layers a little bit more, even if the IWC rolls their eyes at it. Tough shit. Um, that's the way it is. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how the, how this show comes about. And, and, you know, like, I, I think I'd, I'd hope that some of these guys and gals make it. Um, but I think Ray's probably right that you need to see the reality of the situation that not, not everybody's going to succeed and, uh, how do people deal with that? So yeah, it looks like a really good show for sure. That's, that's one of the biggest failures of wrestling as an entity is the people on the outside think it's just easiest shit to do. So because it's, they think right. anybody it's fake, can just right? do it. How hard could it well, be I, to be to fake something, right? Exactly. They're not taking real bumps. They're, they're not real athletes. It's, just a, it's magic. It's just a magic act. And it's not, you know. Exactly. So to see these people, and again, I, I'm, please hear me when I say I want everybody to succeed, whatever their form of success is to them. But in the purposes of a show, I think for the betterment of what can happen in this genre. If these, if none, nobody here makes it in the next five, six, seven years, I think it would help the show. I hope everybody does really well and succeeds, but I just want you all to know that I would enjoy it much more if you would fail miserably. Thank you. Well, they would, but, it, but it's, yeah. an, it's inevitable. Uh, I mean, you could say that, but it's inevitable. It, it, it's the reality of a wrestling school. Not everybody's going to make yeah. it. So they don't yeah. really so have to go la- out of their way too much to get that on camera. La- last nice. thought on this. Uh, for me, uh, Ray, I wanted to get back to one of the things you said about kind of being an odd fit for Apple TV. What I find really interesting about Apple TV is that it really has co- become for me a a streaming service that takes kind of the it's almost like the island of misfit shows in some levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you get you get shows like Ted Lasso, like their flagship show, which, by the way, is likely ending after this season. That's been said ad nauseum by everyone who's created it. Um, but you get an oddball half hour musical comedy from Lord Michaels. You get a reality show about uh, about professional, you know, athletes trying to make it in the world of professional wrestling. You get a documentary about the Beastie Boys just kind of out of nowhere. And there's just like there's not necessarily sort of a singular identity. You get an M Night Shyamalan horror series, 
called uh, something like I can't even remember what the the invited or the uninvited or something like that. Like yeah, they got there's just stuff that's like there's oh. just a it, it's just it's a lot of it. And, and then out of nowhere, they own the rights to like Charlie Brown and um and Fraggle Rock. Like it's it's fascinating. So interesting network that I have found more value as the year value out of as the years have gone on. All right, this next trailer was shared by Dave. Uh, initially watched it. It is. Um, is this also on Apple TV? If I uh, if I was remember correctly, it's Apple TV as well. This is a very Apple TV heavy um, trailer park. This is a movie starring uh, Chris Evans called Ghosted, where he uh, plays like a mild mannered. I don't know what he does. Like I can't remember. I didn't catch what his character does, but he like meets this woman. They like hit it off, have a one night stand, gets her number, and he's really excited, thinks she's gonna be the one, and he keeps texting her, and she ghosts him. And so he chases after her to the last place he knows her to be, which is in England. And then the whole show flips. And I, who's his love interest? I can't I can't remember who plays his love interest. I gotta look it up. Anna de Armas. Yes. Anna de Armas. Thank you, Ray. So Anna de Armas who he 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 finds himself while looking for her captured and being asked these really you know scary questions by some shady looking european dudes because it turns out that anna's character is really working for was it the fbi the cia cia she's a spy uh and chris evans captain american himself is playing the like incompetent dude uh, the fish out of water guy, totally different role for him. Looks entertaining. Uh, Dave, you shared this trailer, so I'll let you comment on it first. Yeah, uh, looks like a lot of fun. It. I mean, I watched it because any you know, if I see a Chris Evans movie trailer, I'm going to probably check it out because it's Captain America. What's and I'm like, what's Chris up to? And this trailer starts, and I'm like, Chris is doing a rom com. What the fuck is this? And and then they start getting interesting. Where one night stand. Then he's ghosted. Then he's making this grand romantic gesture to go and trail her down. And then, like you're saying, Pat, that everything flips. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. This is this is an action movie wrapped around a one night stand. And and yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. And it looks like, you know, Chris Evans not being the heroic guy, kind of the out of sorts, uh, love struck, whatever he is in this thing, going to chase her down and, and then her just basically you know <laughs> kind of like why couldn't you just let this be uh that sort of thing so yeah it looks like a lot of fun uh definitely a this could be a, a coup for apple tv to get this sort of a movie on there and um i'm definitely wanting to check this one out Tony, have we hit with you yet did i did i get no. a win here Tony? or is this another God l damn it no, nothing but l's it's a pass is a pass. Tony is fucking Eeyore in the trailer park today. Jesus Christ. He, well, he has. Think about I don't it. know, Patrick. He, he has too much to do in his life, like knitting and playing with his cats. It's true. Up in his attic. Man. Ray. Ray. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah, man. I, I think it is cool to see. You know what, Ray? Just for you. You're not a stick in the mud PC tonguey today. That's that's what I'm hearing. I'm the like, curmudgeon, man. You're the one. You're not supposed to be the curmudgeon. Speaking of gimmick and <laughs> I, I just think it's cool to see 
Captain America or Johnny Storm or the the movie that he just had with uh, Ryan Reynolds where he was oh, the bad the gray, guy for the gray once. man wasn't that yeah like all of this Lucas stuff Lee he's from done. Scott Pilgrim right. Ray come on now yes all this stuff you, you mean Ryan Gosling by the way not Ryan Reynolds that's not Ryan the gray man. It's yeah, one, of, one of the Ryans who, you know, yeah. one of the Canadian Ryans at that. My bad. You know, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Uh, but no, you're right. right. I'm sorry. You are right. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just dope to see the picture of part in the term manliness kind of being the uh, the damsel in distress. That, I think that's dope. That was dope to me. I love that twist. Also, I love trailers that have twists. That shit took a quick turn. You're just thinking it's about to be this rom-com and all sweet and lovey-dovey. And wait a minute, you got a African, uh, the, the Japanese murder hornet on his face? Wait a minute. Yeah, that was on? like, that was intense. That uh, was, a, yeah, yeah that, that was a bit much. It's going to look funny. Scary. Now, we're speaking of Apple Plus, you can't tell me this doesn't look like a Netflix movie. No, it, it does. It, it does. It looks very much, but again, uh, the land of misfit whatever is like yeah. Apple bought you know, Apple bought the rights to this one. So they're going to, they're going to put it out there. It, you know, and hell, it's not like, it's really interesting because Apple, I don't think people realize Apple has the best picture film under its umbrella. Coda. Like that was them. They like, they wanted like that, that movie won an Oscar for best picture and they sponsored it like, you know, or bought the rights to it. So they know I, I do I think it's interesting. I think they know what they're doing there. All right, let's get to the last trailer. I know Tunney's on board for this one, because if he's not, then he should throw away his his blanket behind his head. Drink more uh, beer plus, to get rid we, of that hangover. Plus we plus we've also talked about this movie once already, but we did get the final trailer for the biggest movie on the Little O'Dowd's playlist this summer. That is Super Mario Brothers. Uh I almost shared with you guys. So Nintendo actually did like a little special show where they had members of the cast uh, and the creator. What are, what are the um, CEOs from Nintendo uh, do like a release uh, episode on um, on YouTube where they talk to a bunch of the actors who are in the uh, in the movie doing some of the voice work before they uh, before they debuted the trailer. And it's it was pretty cute. Uh, little O'Dowd ate it up. We get nothing particularly new or special other than we get a little bit more of Jack Black's Bowser. We get a great look at the Rainbow Bridge Mario Kart scene, which I think is going to look awesome in a theater. Like, I think that's going to look amazing. And we get Fire Flower Donkey Kong, um, which looks fun and supersized Mario. So I think we're all in on this film, I believe. I, at least on some level, we're going to check it out. Um, Tony, are you are you batting one for five? Did you hit one? All right, why don't you talk for a change here? We'll, we'll um, give you a little, give you a little applause. So, so you can start, talk about Mario. I already have my tickets. Super super deluxe screen heated chair heated seats uh 3d going on the eighth shocker yeah. it's gonna be great yeah look yeah i love the the mario kart part that's in it too you see that in this trailer a little bit more where he gets the cart and rainbow road 
Um, it's just a, it's just going to be a really good story. I think, I, I mean, you got, look at the people that are attached to this too. Like, you know, playing the different characters. I mean, these are like Hollywood's a list. So yeah, I, it's a great family movie in the sense of like, you can watch it as a family, not that it's about a specific family or anything, but there is a specific family involved in it too. So it could be both Patrick. <laughs> Project's over, Tony. Project's over. <laughs> Family for the And at win. this point, I'm handing you the cake that says at least you tried. Um, okay. Dave, your thoughts on the Super Mario Brothers final trailer. Uh, and then we'll go to Ray. And then I do have one question about this. I want to get you guys' thoughts on before we before we wrap up the trailer part. Yeah, I, I mean, on this one, what, what is it, Tony? April 8th? It's coming out real soon, like a April, month. Yeah, April 5th it comes out. Yeah, um... But- I agree with Tony completely. I love, and I love the fact that they're bringing in elements of the Mario franchise as a whole in here. And it's not just the Super Mario games. Now you got Mario Kart very prevalent. You get to see some of the cool power ups, the turtle shells, the dropping it, but specifically dropping it behind you, which is one of the great moves in Super Mario Kart. I love where they did that. Uh, so yeah, this this looks like it's going to be a fun story revolving around these characters. It's paying homage to the the franchise as a whole. And I think that's a huge win for this movie and, and what it can do, whether you're taking it to your kids, whether it's your family, whether you're just going on your own, um, there's something here for everybody in this trailer. Go ahead, Ray. So the, you know, a movie like this, that's something that's been possibly in the works or waited for, for 30, 40 years. They have a lot of fan service to play. So, you know, you got that with the, um, Rainbow Road and Mario Kart. You got that with Luigi going in the the boo cat the boo castle with the the Luigi scary games and all this stuff. Small little clip of Luigi and Mario walking on a street into a building that reminds me a lot of the Lou Albano Super Mario Brothers show. And so if they really pay a little, even just a small homage to that, I love it. Speaking of that, yo. Why did the Mario Brothers? Their full name ain't Mario Mario. What's up with that? Luigi, uh, we need to sue some, sue some people, bro. But funny, funny story. Um, somewhere it's been established that it was Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. I can't remember where I've heard, <laughs> where, where I've seen that. No, that I'm not even like making SNL. that up. Like, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. It's definitely something that I have seen somewhere. Um, okay, so here's my one question. It's not really a controversy because nobody cares in terms of who's going to go see it. Like, it's going to make a bajillion dollars, no problem. But there has been a little bit of a clamoring and a cry amongst um, some fans and the voice acting community about the heavy use of celebrity for voices, whether it be Ooh. complaints about Chris Pratt's voice uh, or some of the other, you know, just sort of some of the casting. And I say this like fans of some fans have complained about Chris Pratt. Uh, and whatever, and how he doesn't sound like Mario from the video games. But there has been this interesting thing with animated film in particular and animation, television shows, people like Tara Strong, who is probably one of the most vocal sort of animated animation voice actors who has talked about how opportunity for people in the voice acting world who are more dedicated workers to voice acting, losing out on roles to celebrity because the belief is the celebrity voice 
is is important to the success of the film. Just I don't even have I don't know if I even really have a question, but just sort of thoughts on that, because I do think that Mario, like the Super Mario Brothers film, probably didn't need Chris Pratt or uh, Jack Black or any of the other folks that are there. Like they're fine actors. They're wonderful actors and can do a great job doing voice acting. Uh, Jack Black's been Kung Fu Panda, for Christ's sake. But I do think it's interesting. I think Mario is a movie that could have on the strength of its own not needed that star power. What say you? We'll start with uh, Dave, and then we'll go to Ray. Maybe you're right, but I think from a marketing standpoint, from an executive standpoint, they're probably looking at let's let's load this up. You know, let's let's put in high profile voice act voices that people are going to recognize, in the hopes that maybe that draws some additional people to this. Not that it needs it, but I just feel like maybe that was their mentality. On that, I, I agree with you. They could have gotten away with it. Maybe Mario doesn't need that because it's going to stand on its own no matter who you put in there. But it, it felt like maybe they were just thinking, look, let's get the highest profile kind of voices, recognizable voices we can have. Throw it in here. Maximize the chances that this will draw the widest. You know, they were throwing out the biggest net possible to grab as many people as they can. Uh, in general, though, I probably could concur with her. There are other movies out there that have gone with these bigger name actors that there's some tremendous voice actors who aren't getting their um their opportunities this may have been one of those but i see why they did what they did here i'm not sure i necessarily agree or disagree with it but i I get it but yeah there's there's opportunities out there that are probably not being gobbled up by the actors who should get those roles simply due to name recognition that sort of thing right go ahead so first off Kyrie payton uh, you may know him physically from playing King Ezekiel in Walking Dead, but he's also one of the most popular voice actors in the world. Is the he's, duck, he's is cy- the duck king. cyborg in Teen Titans Go? Yes, exactly. He's the Duck King in the movie. Yep. So, like, there are normal, regular voice actors, but the issue is simply this: Dave talked about marketing, but he missed the part of marketing that why they have the celebrities, the press junket. When you are on the press tour. When it's time to sell this movie to all the different places and cities and con- and states and countries, it looks a lot better with respect. If it's Chris Pratt, Jack Black, um, uh, Charlie Day, and Anna Taylor Joy and um, Keegan Michael Key, than if it was Tara Strong, Vera Farminga, uh, what's what's my boy name, uh, Jesse O'Connell. Like that's why you that that's how they sell the movie. I know. Us as nerds, we obsess about trailers. I got it. You're right. Nothing wrong with that. For a lot of people, it's the press junket that gets them to want to go see the movie. And so you see these guys saying, hey, I'm in a Mario movie. Every, not everybody watches TV. Not everybody consumes media the same way. So people might, there's some people genuinely, as crazy as it sounds, that may not have seen the Mario trailer, but they saw Chris Pratt on uh, Kelly Clarkson. Like, oh, I didn't know that was happening. I'm going to go check that out. That's where the value of the of the popular celebrity comes in. And until that changes, I guess I'm not going to check. I guess I'm not questioning the value. And I, I'm not even like I'm not even questioning the why necessarily. I just think it's a really interesting exercise to have because I think that it is branding wise. Like, because here's the thing. Let's go to I'm going to use Disney as as. As, a, as an example here, and the animation boom that took place in the late 80s and early 90s, 
Name a famous person who did a voice in The Little Mermaid. Name a famous person who did a voice in... Um, you get to Beauty and the Beast. You've got... Um, and maybe it's Aladdin that did it. That's maybe it's Robin Aladdin Williams. that started it, where Robin Williams just improvs forever, and it gets really popular because he's the voice of the genie. Angela Lansbury, as a, as a secondary character uh, in Beauty and the Beast, you know, is kind Lion. of exitable, but a lot... Lion King... That had a ton of celebrities. That was yeah. loaded, and and that was and that's another one of the big ones. But it was it's just an interesting change, um, and and I guess for the the Mario brand and name, kind of like you know we got this fight over whether people come and see Shazam and I and like fight's a stupid word. We didn't really fight. Like we just disagree. Um, but like a Mario movie with a solid trailer that it sounds like the video game and the most known, I would argue the most known video game entity on the planet. I don't know that the press junket needs celebrities, but you know what I mean? Like it, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Um, especially when you have the people behind making the character around to do it too. Uh, the directors all, by the way, you mentioned, um, what's his name? That's voicing, um, voice of cyborg. Um, Kari Payton. Yeah, Harry Payne. I, you know, I would argue he got cast because the director of one of the directors of the Mario Brothers movie is Aaron Horvath, who directs Teen Titans Go, and is one of the show creators for Teen Titans Go. So there's a connection there. Tony, go ahead. I cut you off. No, um, I. It's just you. It's interesting you compare it to Disney because this brand of Mario is that iconic that it draws this big of a wide and vast audience in an animated film where you normally wouldn't get right. It's, it's really the iconicism of Mario. Um, Donkey Kong too was in the trailer. That looked pretty right. cool. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's, it's, so. it's, they lend themselves to each other, right? Mario's so iconic right. that it gets the A-listers and if you can get them, why wouldn't you? Sure. All right. Well, on that note, Good conversation to wrap up the trailer park. We're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk some news around the Nerdosphere. Before we get to our recorded commercials, though, it is my duty to remind you that if you enjoy everything that we do here on the ChairShot Radio Network, on thechairshot.com, and you would love to support us, whether that's getting our name out um, or, and yes, we'll we'll own it, supporting us a little bit financially, head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and invest in one of our mini t-shirt designs. We have all kinds of great looks for you out there, all kinds of brands for you to rep, and they're for sale at a reasonable price of around 20 bucks. Spend a few dollars more if you're feeling fancy, want something that feels nice on your giblets, get it soft style, your body will thank you. We love putting out this content on your internet airwaves every single day of the week, and the only way that we can do that is through the support that you give us, whether that's by listening or heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and supporting us a little bit financially. We love to do it. We appreciate it when you help us make that happen and make it a reality for you. So please consider helping us. We love you all. When we come back, news around the Nerdosphere. We're going to talk a little Bob Iger. He had some big news on the MCU and Disney front. Hear all about it when we come back. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code ChairShot to save 10%. That's Angry Lemonade. 
Network. All right, everyone, welcome back. We're on the home stretch of the show here with the core members of the bandwagon. We got some great news this week around the Nerdosphere, just some different news bits kind of all over the place. But we're going to start with a rumored film that intrigued me. Uh, so I shared it with the chat, seemed to intrigue the chat. I thought I would share it. Apparently, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Jenna Ortega, who apparently is tied to every casting rumor in the history of ever right now, because she's kind of the it girl, it actor uh, around Hollywood, to play the daughter of Lydia from Beetlejuice in Tim Burton's sequel, Beetlejuice 2. Michael Keaton is allegedly set to return. The sequel is planned to be pr- start production in May or June of this year. Tim Burton is expected to return as the director. No comment from Warner Brothers and Ortega's representatives, so we don't have that. Let's start with this. Beetlejuice 2. Yes? No? Indifferent? Thumbs down. Ray, Ray Cash with the thumbs down. Okay. Interesting start here. Ray, why no to Beetlejuice 2? Because everything don't need to be have a reboot or have a sequel. Like there, there, Nothing about the first movie said, oh, can't wait to do this again in 25 years. Everything doesn't need to be redone or added. Well, and, in fairness, it, it was talked about being redone well before 25 years later. It just didn't happen. Sure, sure. And I'm sure a lot of these movies that end up having these 25 year gaps probably had talks of that just like this. But I just I'm not I'm I'm not I don't have any any need for it. Um, I don't think the humor will be the same in this day and age. And most importantly, Jenna Ortega is the girl right now. If I was her, I would not unless it's my unless it's my show Wednesday. I ain't doing shit else that looks like that. Because you are so close to typecasting yourself. Like, they already did the the joke of, what was it, the SAG Awards or, the, or whatever it was with her and Aubrey Plaza, where they're both the doom and gloom girls who talk like that. Don't, you are such a good actress or actor or whatever you the term is. Don't pigeonhole yourself into this. Look how long it, Michael Keaton made a joke of how pigeonholed he was by Batman by doing Birdman. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do it. Well, what if, because we don't know the story, what if she isn't playing a Lydia Dietz knockoff? What if she is in conflict with her mother because she's not that character? Still the world. Still the same world. So I'm but with you that the that character, character. Be, No, I get you and I, I understand you that. Talk about being ty- you talk about being typecast. That's like if she's not, I, and again, we don't even know. This is a r- rumor from True. Hollywood Report, so we don't True. know. But... I, I don't know. I don't, it'll be intriguing to see what, if anything, comes out of this. Now, Tim Burton well, is just weird, so I don't yeah. know what he'll do with it, too. So we'll have to see. For the, for the record, typecast doesn't just have to be the same role. It could be the same style of movie. You know what I'm saying? Sure, but sty- stylistically, I would argue Beetlejuice is, while, while there's a family there, Like I think that what's always fascinating with those Tim Burton movies from back then was his um, fun, hyper- goofy look at suburbia uh which is really what you've got and you know and, and quiet living which is you know sort of the backdrop of that uh dave tony uh either one of you want to chime in on the thoughts of a beetlejuice sequel apparently you are to uh dave's 
Right. And, and not off screen the way Dave pointed on my screen. So, oh, yeah, man, this thing's going to freaking rock. I don't know what that Ray Cash idiot's talking about over there. <laughs> so let's go, man. Come on. I'm I'm here for it. I love Beetlejuice. That's uh that's one of my that's my Halloween movie I watch every year on Halloween. I watch Beetlejuice. But um yeah, I mean for for Jen Ortega, Ray's got Ray's got a point there. Um I don't necessarily think that that's what's going to happen to her by playing this role, but I think she'd be good at it. And yeah, I mean I hope there's a really good story here. They I know they've tweaked it enough. Uh, they rewrote it in 2017, I believe. Again, so I I'm here for it. I I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I um, I agree that Ray, Ray makes a good point, you know, and I get that. And 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 sequels coming this far after the original are concerning. But um, Ghostbusters Afterlife kind of made me rethink my stance on that because I thought that was a really good movie. That was a way down the line sequel sort of situation. But that's the Paul Rudd movie. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, so, so it can be yeah, done. Right. It can be done. And, and I think, you know, we're also missing some key elements from this thing. Is, are we going to get Gina Davis? Are we going to get Alec Baldwin? Are we going to get Winona Ryder? You know, what's happened with, you know, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin's, are they still around? Are they still in the afterlife? Are they still in purgatory? What's going on with them? So there are elements that they can bring into this that we don't know about that could really alter kind of how we're looking at this thing. But I'm like Tunny. I, I love Beetlejuice. I thought the first one was excellent. Michael Keaton was fantastic. It's one of my favorite Halloween-ish sort of movies as well. So yeah, I'm I'm in. I want to see what they do with this thing, certainly. This is also what... There, there's no new ideas in Hollywood. We talk about this all the time. Like, movie made a bajillion dollars. Top Gun Maverick. Like, sequel 30 years later right uh you talked about ghostbusters afterlife sequel 30 years now, there's later. a rumor that that's uh, got a sequel coming but top gun ghostbusters afterlife oh yeah yeah yeah. no that that's been talked about um on disney plus you had uh, a willow sequel which by the way surprisingly good uh, i enjoyed that that series quite a bit so it's not like this isn't unusual and new now whether we want it to happen or not uh it they clearly make money nostalgia is always in uh it seems like like our generation is now the one that gets targeted for nostalgic stuff and the hope is that i who remember beetlejuice when i was a kid go oh i love that movie Mm -hmm. i'm gonna take my kid to go check out beetlejuice 2 Mm -hmm. so that he can see jenna ortega now, I mean, my kid's already seen Beetlejuice 1, so, you know, probably, you know, it's going to happen. But it's just, it's interesting. Um, and I don't know. I'm probably here for it. I, I'll wait and see. I didn't think I would be down for a Top Gun sequel. And, like, if you listen to this show, Dave and I in particular were like, Top Gun Maverick's been delayed. Top Gun Maverick's going to be shit. Top Gun Maverick's going to be terrible. I, I mean, I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. Like, I had a lot of fun watching it. Like, oh, yeah. I uh... I did. Any concerns we had about that movie were eviscerated once it came out. So, yeah, fantastic. I don't know about eviscerated. You know, that third act uh, is very guys, ridiculous. Whatever. But so it's not Rise of Skywalker, is it, Pat? This is a Nissan sales Whoa. and that's a, a killer deal. That's what that is, and a killer deal. I'm sorry. Wow. This is what happens when you open up the next uh, article on the uh, on the rundown, apparently, because we're going to go take on our favorite punching bag. Um, Apparently it's me. Let's mute that um, so that Idris Elba doesn't talk to me about James Gunn running DC. 
that seems to be the next video that's up. Thank you, Comic Book TV. Uh, and let's thank uh, Aesop Mitchell for sharing this article uh, where we are going to talk a little HBO Max and Warner Brothers Discovery as they uh, seem to be reporting some plans with some interesting details. According to Bloomberg, there's going to be a new service that rolls out that will maintain the same pricing that HBO Max already has. Hyundai Santa Cruz versus Subaru Outback. Santa Cruz has. Doesn't. This edition of Bandwagon Nerds brought to you by Nissan and Hyundai, apparently. We're not, and, get, and Aesop, not getting paid Aesop, by them. Let's all enjoy the, the moment. I have now cut the tab out entirely. So something, something, HBO News... Uh, our HBO Max is uh, going to be coming out with its uh, price changes, its name change. I think they're dumping the HBO and just calling it Max and adding a bunch of Discovery content while still having Discovery Plus in existence. It just keeps going around in circles, guys. Kind of like me playing ads that I don't know are playing. Dave, actually, Tony, it's all Star Wars. You react first this time. I mean, I have HBO for satellite service, so that's how I get my HBO Max. So as long as they're not changing that, I really don't care. You're Um, good. Yeah. Otherwise, you know what? If something like that happens, then I'll just get rid of it because I have like on demand or I'll just DVR whatever I need to from HBO when it's on, you know? Um, I, I just wish they could get their shit together. I mean, how many times have we actually talked about this particular story and they can't make up their mind about what the fuck they want to do? And the two of them together have so much great content. Why can't they just get on right. the same damn page, right? It's like, I don't really give a shit about what you're fucking changing your name to. Just give us all the shit that we want, where we want it, and, you know, at a reasonable price. Don't care how we want it now. Ray, Dave, it's a shit show over there Warner Brothers Discovery. It felt like there's a lot to do about nothing, right? Nothing really changed. We're we're getting rid of HBO and now we're just calling us Max. So like, is that like Cinemax, Skinemax? What are we, what are we maxing out here? Um, And then they've got, you you would go, you would go Skinemax. And then they got to go Discovery and they're, it's going to still exist, but it's going to be separate from this. So we got rid of the theory that they were all going to be merged together into one giant, massive, thing that was going to be very difficult to navigate so to me it's like yeah the price hasn't changed the content doesn't seem to be changing they're focusing we have all these characters we want to create the best content possible well maybe settling on a name and settling on your content in the first place maybe that's a progress progressive step i don't know but this i just read this is like okay and ray <laughs> ray basura basura trash Trickety trash, garbage, garbage, if you if one may say. I have no qualms with a streaming service having to raise their price because they're adding new stuff. I can accept that. I don't like it, but I can accept that. What I what I will not accept, and I say will not, because like we may talk about changing my viewership type shit, is if you're gonna make me download a brand new app to watch the same shit I've been watching. You got me fucked. Right. Do you know how all of the, the my how long my list is of stuff I've saved or all of the show that stuff I've got that shows that I've watched. So when I pop back onto the show, it goes to the episode. I'm you got me fucked up. You're gonna expect me to b- go get a new app, 
put my information in a brand new app and start the fuck over. You, I will just be like Tony and just pay for pay for every cable. You got me messed mm. up, bro. M- Mrs. O'Dowd um, has serious problems with my various cues on all our streaming services because it's just shit tons of content uh, in perpetuity. Separate profiles that'll solve that. Oh, we do. Oh, we do. Um, but she still <laughs> she has still questions. Hates it. <laughs> she still hates it. Why do I have well, to go through your she, shit to get to mine? Well, because here's the thing: is even like, so, old man me, I still have a disc only Netflix queue, like I, where I just picked up the Cronenberg uh, movie Crimes of the Future, and can't wait to watch it. Because anybody who wants to watch a good messed up horror film checks out some some Cronenberg. Wait, you still be at the mailbox sending them shits back? Well, I mean, I got a little mailbox that the mailman comes and takes it from. I don't have to put it in there. That's anything. amazing, bro. I have no just in college. That's cool. So, some streaming services I don't have, and they still send out discs. So give me the discs, motherfuckers. All right. Give me what let's I talk want. About some, let's talk about some good news. That, Or at least I hope it's good news, and I actually hope this happens. So amongst one of the big things that we kept talking about when Warner Brothers Discovery – and the HBO, you know, the merger happened was all the content that was either getting axed, losing its home, uh, getting canceled entirely. Like, like these these cuts kept happening. Well, it looks like at least one DC property that got cut. Sorry, not Batgirl uh, has found a new life. Batman, Cape Crusader, an animated series that's being produced by J.J. Uh, Abrams of all things, and Matt Reeves uh, has found a new home after being dropped by HBO Max and Warner Brothers. It has been picked up on Amazon. Looks like you'll be able to see it with a Prime account. It is supposed to harken back to the 1990s Batman, the animated series sort of storytelling, uh, which was, you know, for my argument, uh, amongst the greatest comic book property animated shows of all time it's got to be good mood got to be good news right guys like this is this is good stuff uh a series saved ray what do you think series saved i good mean it's news? cool it's cool Three. it's not young justice you think series saved seems like you usually and now serious now serious talking to me i hate everything today maybe you maybe you should go get a maybe you should go get a good droid that'll take care of shit for you Bitches yeah, always five D four wouldn't let that shit happen. No, it's, I mean it's dope. It's cool. This is why Tony is running the next call. <laughs> it, it's dope that it's saved. Excuse yeah. me, but like, isn't the point if it's supposed to be a companion piece to Matt Reeves the Batman? Why wouldn't it be fucking HBO platform? Just stupid. Like of all the stuff you dropping, I. Uh, man, I'm 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 tired. Not tired. I'm tired. See, and I thought you would be the most excited about this as the Mister DC Animation. Oh no, I am. But I this number one. I, there's a lot more stuff I'm more concerned about right now. Like I need to know if Young Justice is coming back. There's a lot of other things that they're doing DC animation wise that are more interesting to me than a show that doesn't exist yet. But the idea. Of I'm glad it's saved because it looks great. It has great backing behind it. I think it'll do well. But just the idea of having a show, that's like saying, you know what? We're going to release a, a Wakanda cartoon to go with Black Panther. But now, nah, son, 
we're gonna let it go to Netflix. What? Hulu. Doesn't make sense. It's on Hulu. Well, at least Hulu's in the family. Oh, but it's bundle. It's a bundle. Yeah, I got you there. Yeah. You're right. Tony, are you celebrating a saved Batman series? You love Yay. Batman. There you go. There was much rejoicing. Yeah, that's all I really have. Dave. <laughs> I think it's I think it's cool this series found a home. Um I really do, and I'm glad Amazon picked it up because it looked it looked promising, it looked good, and it, for it just to kind of go the way of the dinosaur seemed uh, a missed opportunity by by Max. We'll just call it Max now. I, I found the article interesting though, man. Just running down J.J. Abrams' recent failures, it's like, damn, <laughs> that's a lot of well, black. Were they? they on that I don't ledger. know that I would call them failures. Just a lot of Warner Brothers being like, yeah, we're going to cut your series for this, for this, for this. Uh, they, they clearly found bad robot properties uh, expendable. Yes. Uh, let's uh, let's move into our final story. This past week, Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, as he continues to do his work to quote unquote write the ship, hosted a Q and A uh, that has been covered. Uh, Dave shared uh, the article out of CNN Business. We're going to talk about this anyway because he, he talks about his vision for film properties, Disney plus even a little bit of theme park news. I'm going to talk about some of the highlights here and then we'll let Dave react first. Uh, these bullets are coming straight from the article uh, that was shared uh, from CNN business first quality over quantity. Iger said that as Disney looks to cut back costs associated with producing television and films, the company will focus on quality over quantity. Iger said he is pleased with the support he is getting from content creators of the company and that they agree a key part of reducing costs is quote, understanding how much volume is actually needed. He talked about Disney plus pricing. He admitted that Disney plus pricing was off, that he remains generally bullish on streaming as a great consumer proposition, but that he believes in Disney's zeal to grow global subscriptions. The company was off in terms of pricing strategy Iger said Disney is now starting to learn more about it and will adjust accordingly. In regards to Marvel, said that there are too many Marvel sequels. Iger noted that there are plenty of characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that Disney can draw upon to tell new stories and suggested that perhaps the company had been relying too much on sequels based on existing franchises. Do you need a third or a fourth, or is it time to turn to other characters, Iger asked adding that audiences should expect a lot of newness going forward. We're going to turn back the Avengers franchise, turn back to the Avengers franchise, but with a whole set of different Avengers, Iger said. Star Wars. Imperative to be very careful with Star Wars. That the company is also being very careful in its approach to the Star Wars franchise. Iger cited the disappointing box office performance of Solo. There it is again, getting picked on and said it had given the company some pause. He also goes on to talk a little bit about Hulu and ESPN uh, before getting to third-party licensing, and Iger said Disney would once again create content for its rivals. Could once again create content for its rivals. As we look to reduce the content that we're creating for our own platforms, there probably are opportunities to license to third parties. Iger said for a while... That was something we couldn't possibly do because we were so favoring our own streaming platforms. But if we get to a point where we need less content for these platforms 
and we still have the capacity to produce to producing that content, why not use it to grow revenue? I'm not going to talk about the the theme park or Iger's future. First point I think falls into the Marvel point that we talked about, and and this concept of quality over quantity. Uh, thoughts just on on Iger's statements overall, uh, but particularly how this quantity over or quality over quantity argument um, could impact the MCU. I think we're already seeing it in fewer MCU series being listed in the future, Dave. Um, but your thoughts, and then we'll go around the table. We'll go. Uh, Dave, Tony, then Ray. Well, I think, you know, this story broke late in the week, but probably the most important story of the week as far as like the stuff that we cover and talk about. Um, yeah, I think he's probably onto something quality over quantity and, and that he's recognizing what a lot of people were complaining about, which was the oversaturation of things just too much of Marvel going on. And I think people got, we've talked about it before. Streaming fatigue was a real thing. And you see him kind of scaling that back a little bit and saying, look, there's too much out there. We're su- the, the quality of these shows is suffering because we're putting too much out there. Let's scale back. Let's focus on delivering quality results. And yeah, if we've got this overflow and we've got other people who want to work on things and maybe we'll create some stuff and outsource it to our rivals, which, yeah, for Disney to say that is unheard of in the past. They would never give anything up to Amazon or Netflix or, you know, yeah, Hulu, but that's part of the bundle, that sort of thing. So I thought that aspect of things was very telling, that he's looking at Marvel differently. The notion of going back to the Avengers, I think that's very important, you know, and we'll, we'll save, I know we'll, we'll defer the Star Wars topic a, a little bit, but that's what I took from it, is that I think I think he's probably on to something, that focusing on quant- quality over quantities, you know, probably a good idea right now, with some of the blowback that we've been getting from the... Uh, MCU the past year or so. Tony. Sounds to me like Disney doesn't have any money. (laughs) I mean, seriously, they're like, oh, hey, guys, don't worry. Less is more because it'll be better. And then, you know, um, we can always take some of these ideas and and sell them to other people. The streaming service has been widely regarded as losing money. Uh, And and has been a a big... uh, challenge for the company i do think that is absolutely 100 percent true but i also do think uh, you know there's been a lot of talk about marvel fatigue uh like we've talked about it on the show we you know that it seems like audiences have maybe started to grow a little weary of the marvel formula so i i do i do see some argument to that ray what do you think what do you think about Iger talking about preaching quality over quantity and cutting back on some of these Marvel sequels. I think number one, I think it, it depends on his reasoning for it. I think like Tony right. said, it's, it sounds a whole lot like you don't have the money you want, even though you're one of the most profitable monopolies in the world. But quality versus quantity is never a bad idea to use in any form of business. If the reasoning for your quality over quantity tag, Marvel specifically, is because a very real issue with your VFX people, that they don't have enough time to get shit done in time for stuff to come out, and things don't look like it should, all with it. Because those guys kill themselves to do the work for that, with respect to the uh, actors, maybe the the actors in general, maybe the second most 
important thing in these movies, these, 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 these uh, effects, these visual effects and CGI. But I know I'm unique because if you gave me a Marvel movie and, and Marvel movie and, and a TV show and you alternated every month, I'd be happy. I'm, I know I'm not the normal person. I accept that. But you can miss the fuck out of me with this, well, well the sequels ain't working. The entire point of the MCU as an entity is that everything is connected. So if I'm going to give you a, a movie about Butt Boy, the whole point is to make you want to care about Butt Boy again. Doesn't that breed a sequel coming? Like, do, do, do you just want one-offs of everything? Like, we didn't need a Thor, Thor 4. I'm with you. We didn't need that. I think 3 is the limit. We didn't need that. But, like, that's the entire point of connected entertainment is to see what happened to the person you forgot you you didn't see at this time. So that ideology when he hasn't had a movie pandemic not in, excluded that's made less than like 500 million dollars. What are you talking about? Just stupid to me. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. Like I don't understand. I don't understand that 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 knowledge of it. Yes, we need new moves we need new characters but the beauty of the way that feige has 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 formulated this is ain't gonna be no captain america's no more not with steve rogers he gone okay do no black widow stuff she gone right tony he's gone so now these movies are not technical sequels because it's a completely different person running in this in in that entity I, I don't I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me, and it just sounds like an old man talking shit because he doesn't understand new shit. All right, Dave, what do you think about that thought? I, I don't buy it. Is what I think about it. Um, I, I don't I don't think it's. I, I really think it goes back to what he's saying. He's looking at the bigger picture. I mean, and for everybody like Ray who wants to see you know this this new stuff developed on a weekly monthly. You know, I'm not, I know not weekly basis, Ray. I, I know. Yeah. That, and it's not realistic. I, I know. I, but I, I don't know. I, I just think that there is, there is, they, they are listening to the court of public opinion a little bit more than, than they probably should. And they're looking at this thing saying that we're getting a lot of feedback that's negative for the first time in the history of the MCU, that phase four was not a failure, but disappointing to a, a larger segment of their fan base than they were anticipating. And I think he's reacting to that you know he's reacting to the the pushback on the pricing for disney plus you know we're not getting into the theme parks but pat you and i know lots of pushback on the theme park pricing so he's listening to all this stuff and saying you know maybe we need to go back to formula to steal from <laughs> steal from the green goblin and spider-man and and get back to what made this so successful i mean i do agree with ray and a lot of of what he's saying that I would like to see them push this thing forward and there is a continuity and it should all be connected and we're telling this bigger story and not everything's going to hit. But I think from Iger's standpoint, he's looking at this thing thinking, thinking, you know, there's a lot of negativity for all the wrong reasons granted about shows like Miss Marvel, uh, shows like Moon Knight, shows like She-Hulk, all the wrong reasons. But when you're the CEO of one of the biggest corporations in the world, you have to listen to that and react to that in a way that's going to maximize your profitability. And I think he's just looking at all this stuff saying, you know, we got to focus on something different here. You don't got to listen and to shit about the bottom line, bro. That's all you got to listen to the bottom fucking line. Sorry, Pat. And, and let's not forget, you know, we're talking like Iger's been the CEO of Disney for the last five years. He is not. 
So his job, frankly, is to come in here and do this. Now, you could also argue he sort of made this mess and then left Chapik in a place to deal with it because uh, he did leave shortly into the pandemic, if I do recall correctly, or around there. And then Chapik had to like manage this and make this. So I, I don't know that quality over quantity and, and less sequels necessarily means the end of all sequels. Um, I do. I, I can't deny, and, and I don't think anybody else can either, like, yeah, they're making money, but eventually you have to agree that at some, at some point, if they keep putting out subpar efforts, and I would argue Thor Love and Thunder, for example, was a subpar effort, um, and if they continue to put out films that are not generally being well-received by by either critics and fans, like fans have been rating some stuff low too, that, that does warrant a, a step back and a look. Now, we also know that some franchises are going to end uh, in some way, shape, or form, or their iteration is going to end, and there has been some turnover. So, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is about to wrap up as we know it. Captain America, by most... By most accounts, unless we get a weird time jump quantum mania thing, done. Tony Stark, dead. Um, Thor, what what's going on with Chris Hemsworth and Thor? According to him, they didn't even know that it was going to end open-endedly the way that it did. Like He kind of thought he was done. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. And, and I do hope um, that they ease up on the schedule. At the very, very least, because what Ray talked about in terms of the visual effects staff and the impact uh, there, like there's news, there was there were news bits going around about the visual effects people for Ant-Man and the Wasp being pulled off of that to make Wakanda Forever um, look good. Be, and that Wakanda Forever was the priority over Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is which is unfortunate. Uh but you could because, see it. you could see it though. Right. You can see where the films suffer. And that's a that's a kind of a growing problem. We've seen it in the series a lot with VFX. People have complained about that. So I if the schedule slows down, I'm actually okay with it. But can, can I ask a question hard. to the group? Can I ask a question sure. to the group? I, I I would personally, again, I know I'm totally biased and the and not the person who this question would refer to. I know I'm different. But do you think that the solution is simple as is as simple as getting rid of the television shows and just doing movies and the occasional special produ- special presentation? Do you think that would save solves, so much of the drama? Because that's where a lot I think of it would the save some of the drama. Came, yeah, yeah, that's where a lot of the I, I do I do I do from. think it would save some of it because it's so aggressive and like it's so aggressive that it's like I don't blame workers for not being happy there. And I think like. The TV shows showed us one thing. Marvel, at least before Iger got there, was willing to take some chances with the TV shows. And while we all think the shows were really, really good, by and large, really, really good, the the pushback they got from some of their decisions is probably going to make them gun shy going forward. That'd be my guess. You know, I I would like to see them keep making the streaming shows because I really enjoyed them, but it, it, they're they're in kind of a a tricky spot with those just because of the reaction that some of these shows got that they wanted to take a chance on. 
You know, I think certain shows like if Armor Wars, I think that got moved to be a movie and not a series. It's a movie now. Yeah. So you could see they're kind of distancing them because up until the shows came out, I mean, if you really think about it, it was the shows that kind of started this yeah. idea of fatigue, streaming fatigue, Marvel fatigue. These shows are going and they're talking about things that I don't agree with, even though we all did. But there's a large segment of the population that just gave them so much shit about it. Iger's like, man, let's just go back to focusing. And, and the thing about this article, he never criticizes Kevin Feige anywhere in anything that was discussed. No. So he yeah. doesn't have an issue with what Feige's vision is. It's just the way maybe it's being delivered that he's like, hey, you know, let's let's think about this a little bit more. See, I think it's, I think it's the shows personally that started all this, like Dave said, because number one, you never really heard much rhetoric about people not liking things to the extent we do now before the shows. Secondly, the shows are the ones that took the chances on these characters that are a lot more controversial, like Miss Marvel, like She-Hulk, like Moon Knight, right? Like Hawkeye, an OG Avenger being replaced by a woman. I know to us and people with fucking sense, we don't care about the stuff. That's fantastic. But you looked at we we did we literally did the the research on this on this show to show how the rhetoric changed because of people who had an issue with it because of the misogyny of, of, of what they were feeling, right? We looked at that. So and more importantly, though the shows have multiple episodes that you have to delve into to care about. So they give you more than an hour and a half, two hour movie which has to get a lot of filler and fluff in because you got to keep got to keep the, the train going. So I think the shows are what honestly caused so much. Plus the, we're used to three movies a, a year. It's been that way for 10 years now, eight years, something like that. It was the three movies and then the three shows on top of that. I got a movie in February, a show in March. I got a movie in June. I got a show in April. I got a movie in October. I got a show in November. That's what was killing us. I love the shows. I think the shows are almost as almost possibly more important than the movies because you can tell more in a six, eight, ten episode medium than you can one movie. But if that's the problem, scrap that shit. If that's so, the problem. All right, all right. So I, I wanna I wanna bring the Marvel talk to to a little bit of a close. I don't think shows are completely dead. Um, I, I don't think Daredevil's coming. Loki season two is coming. Now, whether Iron Loki Heart, season two is, is no. the end, Ironheart is coming. Secret Invasion next month. Oh, Secret okay. Invasion. So there's 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 still that content coming and it still exists. I again I don't think it's unreasonable to to look at things that are being brought to bear and want to address those concerns, whether it is because because let's call a spade a spade. I enjoyed the movie thoroughly. People did not like the Eternals. Like people did not care for like Thor: Love and Thunder performed the poorest, rightfully so, out, out of the films that it that it could have done. Ant Man and the Wasp. While again, I enjoyed the movie. Tepid response. She Hulk. Tepid response. So there's there's also something too, and some of this is the burden of its own success. Hell, even Moon Knight. Like Moon Knight, like again, enjoyed it. It wasn't blowing the world up. Held the best Marvel series in the last two years. Miss Marvel was not, you know, and so and a lot of that's racism, but you know, that's a whole other part of it. But like, 
there, Iger, Iger has to look at this from a different lens than we do as fans. Uh, and so I do think, you know, as much as we complain about bottom line, bottom line is part of it, which is why I also think that's why he's talking about being, quote, careful with Star Wars. Because as much Ooh. as Tony can say it's all Star Wars, and he keeps going back to Solo, which, I, again, I don't think is a bad movie. Like, if you go back and rewatch Solo, like, it's funny that it's like the ugly stepchild of Star Wars when two objectively terrible films and the, you know, and The Last Jedi came out as a trilogy. Because, you know, Force Awakens was trash and, and Rise of Skywalker was trash. But, That's you know, subjective. Last Pat. Jedi was That's great. Subject. Uh, no, but. Anyway, but those series were, you know, that The Force Awakens came out and people were, you know, were excited for it. Last Jedi, polarizing, and and they and they still made money. Rise of Skywalker, in general, even even if they don't hate it as much as I did, like people had problems with the Rise of Skywalker, but it made money. And right, the Book of Boba Fett. I'm sorry, it was a disappointment. You had. It was Tony. You can brush me off, but it was the Book of Mandalorian was not good, um, and was not and was recognized a, as as flawed. Uh, Patty Jenkins's project got dropped. There's supposed to be a Taika Waititi project. Is that still happening? And, Andor, that's happening. Look at look Andor. at Andor. Andor. We all enjoyed it. A lot of people didn't even bother to watch it. Bad Batch. Right. Does anybody watch that? Bad Batch. I do. Yeah, actually, I just watched a couple episodes today. Um, but, but you're right. Like nobody's really talking about the Bad Batch. Like, did he, did anybody here know that when the Mandalorian dropped, they also released new episodes of the Bad Batch at the same time? I I just found (laughs) out yesterday when I watched the Mandalorian. Yeah. Right. That's, that's how we know. So Star Wars. Yeah. Outside of the little guy over my shoulder right now and, and Mandalorian, they're, they're in an interesting spot. May I? here's the thing about what i don't like i get what he's saying about marvel star wars i have a little bit more difficulty with because if you're pinning the concern on star wars as a franchise on the performance of solo at the box office i think you're missing badly but the number dave the numbers don't lie the numbers don't like that's the thing is unfortunately for his job remember he's the ceo he gives two okay. shits I how great the movie was. All he has to look that. at is the performance. But Solo, he needs them to not perform like that. Okay, Solo is like good or bad. In, it needs to not perform. Solo like that. comes out in the middle of the sequel trilogy, which made gangbusters of money. Objectively speaking, we all have issues with certain aspects of the sequel trilogy. Whether you hated Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, from a fan standpoint. The most polarizing except for Tony. Tony gave him all his money. Well, it's the most polarizing trilogy easily in the history of Star Wars. I think we can all agree on that. Even if the prequel trilogies were what they were, but they weren't as polarizing as these were. And I think that you know, from my standpoint, they all made money, whether you loved them or not. So to me, Iger looking at solo and looking at content, something else is going on here with Star Wars. It can't just be about bottom line because Star Wars makes lots of money, lots of money. So to me, it's almost like he's looking at it from the fan standpoint that the fans really weren't dis- weren't pleased with the sequel well, trilogy. We got to come up with something different for this next slate of movies that's going to get the fans reconnected with this franchise. Right, and then we're gonna we're coming to a close of the show. We're getting a lot of time, so. 
uh, get your thought, and then I, I want to come back on what Dave just said there. Go ahead. Today's point, I acknowledge and understand and agree with your point, Patrick, that his only job is to look at the bottom line. And Solo massively underperformed. I will give you that. There's nobody, nobody can argue that. But if we're looking at, if we're looking at a, a sheet of numbers of all of the Star Wars platforms that have come out that can breed money, everything else made money but that. So to look at everything else and say, no, nah, son, we got to watch out because that one movie did this, is really look, missing the forest for the trees. Because, like, I would think you would look at the successes and follow the trend of the successes other than follow the trend of the one failure, which isn't a failure, it's just a disappointment. That's what makes sense to me. Because so, clearly everything else you've been doing and making money. Which is why I agree with, with, with Dave that I think it feels, again, nobody knows any of this. This is, We don't know what's going on in his head. Right. But it feels more like a response to fans and criticism. Oh, I think it's absolutely a response to fans. And, and here's the other thing is, you know, we talk about the bajillion dollars that Star Wars sequel trilogy made. I also think that there is a a point to be made and a recognition that their sustained success after their premiere weekend dipped more than previous Star Wars dips have been in the past. Now, you know, Iger didn't speak to that. He didn't point that out. Uh, but you talk about fans, you know, whether it be fan reactions to, you know, Kelly Marie Tran and, and the horrible things that they did to her. Yeah. Uh, this is the hardest fan base in, in sort of the nerdo sphere to please. Uh, you know, I think I, whether it be comic book fans, various franchises, this this fan base I would argue is uh, is amongst the best and worst. They yeah. like when they're when they're behind something, they're amazing. When they don't like something, they're the worst. And I you can't you can't look at Solo, which the other thing that's kind of unfair to Solo, and I think this is one of the other things that people don't talk about, is that it was it was plagued with production problems. Like it lost its director halfway through, and Ron Howard took over, so it wasn't exactly smooth sailing for getting that movie out in the first place. So I do agree that it's being scapegoated a, a, a bit here for things that weren't necessarily within its control. And and, uh, and your favorite movie, Pat Rogue One. Standalone movie, tremendous success. Everybody loved it. I think they got to the point they thought, "Hey, we're bulletproof. We can do this standalone thing here, and it's going to be great." Even though we don't, well, have I think Harrison it's the same Ford. problem they have with Marvel. Yeah, and I think it. Well, and but if you're trying to do a and and that's a fan problem, by the way, I just want to put that out there. That's a fan problem that we want to tell a young Han Solo story. Harrison Ford is in his fucking seventies, eighties. Like we can only age him sorry, so much. You can't do it. You can only make that look so good uh, where it's going to work. And let's not also forget Harrison Ford does not like the character. He doesn't. Yeah. He has gone on record repeatedly. He wanted the dude to die in Jedi. He wanted the dude to die before Jedi and, and finally got him killed. Like finally. And they still and brought still him reluctantly back. Reluctantly came back as a ghost. So <laughs> like, Harrison Ford can't escape a character he doesn't enjoy playing. Fans be damned. And, and so I don't know. I do. I think it's a mess. I think that, you know, saying that they need to be intentional with Star Wars properties makes me extraordinarily concerned for everything that's been rumored and talked about outside of the Mandalorian. 
And, and even then, it, it could be it could be whimsical. If a season doesn't go well, who yeah. knows? And I haven't seen yeah. how this episode went after the quote unquote worst reviewed episode of Mandalorian last week, the twenty five minute yeah. groundwork laying episode, Whatever. which was what it was. Can I throw something out to you? Um, I, my observation. Yeah, we've got five minutes left in the show, man. Got so we gotta we gotta be. My observation on this, and listening to Iger talk about this and scapegoating solo is they don't know what to do with the franchise. I get the distinct impression nobody's they don't George know where Lucas they, didn't know what to do with this franchise. But this is different. Like, they don't know what direction to go in. And I really feel like that coming out of this. We don't know what to do after Ray. Not Ray Cash. Ray the sure, Jedi. Sure. They don't know what to do with that. Whether they they don't know, should we go back and tell maybe like old Republic stuff, or do we move forward with this storyline and go in a direction? And I don't know. They're like, we don't know how to do that. And I think that's a real so, thing. So you're right; it's a real problem. And the pro and I will argue this: this is they, they just so the, this goes, I guess, back to Ray's nostalgia sequel argument. Sometimes just let something in. Uh, and they just, you can't let it in. And, and whether it's expanded book universes or other canon, um, they just can't let it go. All right, we've lost Tunny. Like, Tunny has walked away. Now, I know he's still got I'm his here. headset on and his listening. Yep, see, there he goes. He was going to let us know. Uh, but we are going to bring a show to the close. Uh, basically, what we know is that changes are coming to our beloved franchises, probably changes we're not going to love. And it's, Definitely about the money involved. So welcome to capitalism. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners, though. Before we get out of here, uh, let's do a quick once around. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you on the Chairshot Radio Network and how to follow you on the socials. We'll go with the disembodied voice first, Mr. Saturday Night, PC Tony. Yeah, follow me at PC Tony and uh, Chairshot Radio Network, all your favorite streaming platforms. Reverend Ray Cash. Follow me at WrestleMania because it's WrestleMania season, bitch. And it's Ray Cash. R A Y C A S H. Mysterio. David Ungar. Hey, you can find me on my burner account, which is for PC Tunny at damn you DPP. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A G G and Facebook. <laughs> Tunny like that. Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And you can, of course, find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday here on the Chairshot Radio Network. Monday talking with these guys about nerdy stuff and Bob Arger ruining Disney now instead of Bob Chapik. You can listen to me on Tuesdays, talk to Dave about hockey and sometimes other sports. And in the summertime about music on Hockey Talk slash uh, Musical Chairs. And you can catch me every Wednesday talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on The Greg DeMarco Show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and check out some of those movies that won Oscars later after we recorded this episode that you're going to be hearing about this week. I'm sure there's some good stuff out there. For Aesop Mitchell, I will put over everything, everywhere, all at once. Best movie Bet it wins Best Picture, and it should. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com.
I don't have time for this. Do you have a land speeder or speeder bike that I could hire? You are a Mandalorian. Your ancestors rode the great Mythosaur. Surely you can ride this young bull. 